Now on Giddy Up, it's time for Trial Time with Dean Watling. Dino, good morning to you. Plenty happening now with the trials. Most of the spring superstars have had their trials and they're into their racing preparation now. But the exciting part about trial for trial watchers, I would imagine right now, is what's happening with these two-year-olds. Yeah, good morning again, Gareth, and you make a really good point. We see a couple of the sort of the top liners maybe starting to kick off their preparation a little bit later and target maybe a couple of different races. But, yeah, it's the exciting time of the year. We've got the two-year-olds. Obviously, we had them step out in the Kensington track last week, and since then we've had a couple of heats at Randwick, Warwick Farm, and even a couple down there at Cranman, which we might touch on over the 650 metres. But it's an exciting time of the year. It can be really tricky, to be honest. Uh, I like to sort of start chiming into these two-year-olds post-Christmas. A lot of these early ones can just be the first ones up and about. Um, it can look really good, but you've got to be able to sustain that preparation and get yourself towards a magic millions, a blue diamond and a golden slipper. But um, the futures market's coming to play. It's, it's a great year. It's a great time of the year. Trial time. I think he's been on it before, but it's great to have David Eustace here with us on Giddy Up Trial Time to help us out. Um, regarding a few of the stables' philosophies and the way they approach these trials, especially with their two-year-olds. David, thanks for your time, mate. We really do appreciate it. I know you're a very busy man at this time of the year. All good, Gareth. How are you? I am well. Dean Watling with us as well. Um, I went back and had a look at the stats and regarding those two-year-olds that compete at that first trial session there at Randwick, and it doesn't read too well, but you've produced Cool and Gatter at those set of trials before, and we all know what she went on to do throughout her racing career. Scampy, everybody's talking about that performance by the son of Blue Point at the trials there recently, and he will be going around in a breeder's plate. So from, from a stable's perspective, and you didn't have too many runners, by the way, at those trials, what's, like, how do you judge whether a two-year-old's ready to go nice and early in their careers? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting just on that, those stats that came out, um, you know, it's, you can't disagree with the stats, but um, if you took the pool of horses to the, that year, purchase that year as yearling sales and see where they are in three, four years' time, I would think the figures wouldn't be uh, overly different. Uh, the percentage of horses that win a metropolitan grade win at all, etc. So um, I don't think people want to get carried away by it too much. Um, we are selective um, in what horses go to, to those trials. Um, we like to educate them as much as we can at home and um, only take them to those early two-year-old trials if we really believe they're ready. And, um, you know, thankfully, you know, we've, we've got a nice record um, in those early season races with Dubious, Kud and Gatter and Enzar um, being able to to win. I can't think of any other horses actually going to those early season races. Um, there would be some, of course, but um, yeah, I think you've just got to be selective. There are certain horses that are early and ready for it, and some that aren't. Good morning again, Dave. It's Dean Watling here. The, the question I wanted to ask, and obviously the Waterhouse and Bot Stable are renowned for sort of getting their horses off the bride or pushed out in their trials, especially as two year olds to see what's under the hood. Scampy obviously had a little bit of a different trial. The time wasn't overall the best of the day, but it was more so the action of the horse and the way he went about it. Has he been off the broad or have you, have you given him full pressure or will race day be the first time you'll see him uh, under complete pressure? Um, it'll be race day. Um, that'll be the case for, for all our horses. It wouldn't matter what age or, or maturity they are. We don't 
um, let them sort of fully off the off the bit at home. And um, you know, everyone does it does it differently. Um, sometimes they need uh, that bit more education. It's it's not wrong. It's just um, how how different people do it. Do your different say these two year olds at the moment? You've got the Magic Million sales in January, and then you've got. Inglis with your classic and your premiers before you get to Easter. You got the Caracas sales at New Zealand just after Magic Millions. Is that how your two-year-olds work? Because they get broken in at different stages. Do you see your millions horses up nice and early compared to say your Easter horses, Dave? Um, uh, yes and no. Uh, to be honest, um, obviously that they're broken in for um, the Magic horses, but. Not to say Easter horses won't get to the mark um, at the same time that you can't rule them out and say they won't run in the breeders or, or the gym crack. Um, but they obviously just come across your eye uh, that bit later. And probably, I mean, we, we do it slightly different as well. They don't tend to go out. Um, we, we, we like to keep them in and ticking over and back off them in work, not necessarily spell them. So, um, you know, the likes of, well, Scampi has been in work um, for, you know, well over three months and um, and has ticked over and seen different locations. So he's sort of gained experience that way. Um, so an Easter horse might well be the same and, and will just mature in front of our eyes and not necessarily go to the paddock. Of course, some of them do. But um, particularly Colts, we tend to keep them in and keep, keep the weight off them as best we can. From outside of looking in, obviously the trials and the way they sort of do about it or go about it, in, in, it looks exceptional as a punter and as a racing fan. Um, would you like to see something similar come up in Victoria, potentially a Cranbourne, a lot of good trainers there, Flemington. Would you like to see that replicated down there in Victoria with these two-year-olds to sort of bring a bit of light to them and have a, a race similar to the Jim Cuck and Breeders. I know there is a couple of races down there like that, but I just wanted to get your opinion on that take. I think there's probably a happy medium. Um, do I think the, um, the hype around the Roundwick Trials is a bit strong? Uh, I would say yes. Um, but uh, can we do it better um, in Victoria? Uh, I think definitely as well. As you say, I think there could be a set of trials to focus on leading into um, the, the early races. I mean, it's interesting that you know, you've got the opportunity to trial down the straight tomorrow um, for the Maradimol trial, and there's only two heats with 11 horses in total. And um, the debutant is after that. Um, I wouldn't have thought I'd have the opportunity to trial at Caulfield for that. So, yes, I think there could be a bit more cohesion there. Yeah, obviously, a lot of talk about these blue points and Scampi lit up uh, Twitter and got everyone sort of talking. Obviously, you had Cool and Gutter, which was an outstanding two-year-old. She went on to, to win a Magic Millions and run fourth in a golden slipper. Do you have Scampi in the same conversation? How can we sort of compare them to and what do you expect from that horse uh, on the weekend in the Breeders? I think completely different physicals, but um, a similar amount of sort of natural ability and, and sharpness. Uh, he was always been very straightforward. I would say Tony Gap is just that little bit more forward, and um, you know he's probably spent most of the, most of the preparation just keeping the handbrake on at home 
um, leading into um, the gym crack, whereas you, know, you don't get too many young colts that are free and not having to just ask them to at least pick up and quicken. But now he knows what he's asked, being asked of. He's, he's very push button. So do they have similar ability? We foolish to say he's going to go and win a Lightning and a Magic Millions and run second in a Swiss slipper, but he certainly is as natural at this stage. So we love like watching these first season sires have their first runners in this country. We all know what Northern uh, Blue Point's been doing in the Northern Hemisphere, Dave. But is there any first season sires that we'll get to see for the first time um, this two-year-old season that you think that oh, this this Dane's got to make? He's going to make it because of what you've been able to see with the, his progeny, and you, your stable would be, I would imagine, have a pretty good guide on some of these first season size with the two year olds that you purchase at the sales. Yeah, look, uh, I think probably be the same line as, as everyone else. The blue points seem very sharp, very forward. Um, the two darn hots um, are, are very nice horses that will take that little bit more time, and. Uh, you know, we'll we'll give them that, and I think you'll see them starting to make inroads, sort of March, April, May, and they were clearly the two um, first season sides that people are probably most looking forward to and and spending spending the money on. What run are you looking forward to most this weekend, Dave? Um, you've got the filly, Tis Invincible, in the Flight Stakes. Um, terrific day there at. On Epsom Day, Friday night at the Valley, um, plenty to look forward to. Um, I think probably a scampi, you know, there's obviously a lot of mm. potential there, and we'll see how he handles it all on the day. And um, you know, if he can transfer his trial performance to the races, then um, I think it'll be a good performance. And Maraby, I think, caught Dino's eye as well with the trial watch um, recently. She's trialled nicely. What's in store for her? Sorry, who was that? Um, I think it was the IME. I apologise, not Maraby. IME caught Dino's eye. IME, at, at yeah, White Farm. she runs next weekend. Yeah. Um, she'll run next weekend in the Sydney States. Yeah. And um, obviously, you know, the Everest is, is sort of getting blown wide open a bit. And... Um, you know, she might be one to be staking a claim for that. Have you given up on an, an, uh, having a have a run, having a runner in the Everest? Um, I know Bella Nipatina stays in Sydney. Um, you've got Ruthless Dame as well. Um, that I thought was pretty good there the other day. Have you given up hope of having a runner in the Everest? Uh, no. Um, sort of hope Ruthless Dame might um, – Close off the touch better. It wasn't a bad run by any means, but they went quick over 11. She probably wasn't able to sort of work into the race, how you would hope. Um, but, uh, you know, if Bella wins on Saturday, then um, she's going to be right in the mix. So, no, we certainly haven't given up hope there at all. And a few questions coming through. King Colorado, how did he pull up after the weekend? Well, well um, I don't think, yeah, things went to plan. That's fair. Oh, we didn't say didn't go to plan. We just, didn't have the most fluent of runs, the smoothest of runs. Um, so uh, he actually gets on a truck tonight. He gets down to Cranbourne and um, he'll have a couple of gallops working towards Guineas. So you wouldn't give up? You wouldn't give up on him just yet for a Caulfield Guineas? No, definitely not. Would he not be your all. number one seed still, or did you think um, 
Southport Tycoon and, and Centrify did enough in a prelude behind to party the other day? Um, look, I, I think he'd still be number one seed for sure. He's, he's uh, lightly raced Group 1 when he hasn't had much luck in his two runs. Um, I think the other two Colts are nice horses, but they're still progressing. And um, broadcast, this is the horse named after, um, it wasn't named after me, but it was, it was, <laughs> no, Dan, no, you've got to listen, listen to this story. Don't I sound like a flog. You know. I, I sound like <laughs> a flog. Um, what happened is that I was interviewing you, was it, I was at Will Bourne, I was, it was during the COVID years and Richard Haynes, unfortunately, tested positive to COVID and I was working at that time on the radio there and there was no one else. I was still working for Sky. So there was no one else. I had to go and do the, the broadcast for Sky for Magic Millions. And I really didn't know what I was talking about because um, I hadn't d- did the, the homework. I was thrown, thrown in the deep end anyway. So I got Will Bourne on and Johnny O'Neill and they purchased Broadcaster in the end. And because they bought it on air, this written tycoon Philly, that's why they called it Broadcaster. David, did you know that story? I wasn't aware of it, no, No. but it's a good one. Yeah, it's a a great um, one, isn't it? Hopefully hopefully you can repeat it. Hopefully you can repeat it after a um, a decent win. She runs today. I think it should be quite hard to beat. Yep. And uh, I think um, she will win a nice race down the track at some stage. Beautiful. So we back England in the cricket. You happy with England heading towards the ODI World Cup in India? Rather back in the cricket than the Wallabies in the World Cup. I don't. Do you know? Have you you've lived in this country long enough, David? You you would actually know that no one really gives a stuff about rugby in this country. So we don't really care. It's not like you can really sledge us regarding our rugby team. In fact, I don't think I could go around Melbourne and did a vox pop and I could name me one rugby player that plays for the Australian rugby side. And apart from Eddie Jones, I don't think anyone knows anyone who who is a part of that Wallaby squad. What I do know is if they were any good, uh, you'd all be jumping on the bandwagon. That's a very good point you make. Um, <laughs> bad luck about your Carlton Football Club on the weekend. The Mighty Lions were too good. Um, and they were. They is, were. And Harry's happy with the horses that he'll be sending to Australia, like light infantry, ready to go for a Cox Plate. And we have to give yeah. that horse yeah. a trial, no, or has Harry done then. enough? Um, well, he's been he's with David Simcock, uh, light infantry, Harry pretty happy with zoology who was disappointing at Adolf actually galloped overnight and worked quite well he's oh he's definitely got talent I would say I'm sort of fully seen the best of him yet so um he comes over in good order um so a smaller team this year but um hopefully we can get a bit of luck all right mate we appreciate your time as always David and um yep good luck this weekend okay there's David Eustace there. 10.21, we'll take a break. We'll come back with Dean Watling's horses to watch after going through some nice set of trials recently. Time to go through some of Dean Watling's horses uh, that have caught his eye at the trials. We'll start with the unexposed gallopers and we'll head to um, Lismore. You found one for Matty Dunn there, Dino. Yeah, two we want to note out of the heat there at Lismore. Matty Dunn's in outstanding form. His strike rate's phenomenal over the last sort of uh, six months. He's had plenty of highway winners. And the horse we want to um, black book is the Rockwell Scale. Always a horse that um, I've had a little bit of time for. 
probably not up to your metro and provincial level, but placed really well first up. I think the Rockwood scale can continue that really good first up form. Travelled well on the bridle, never asked for an effort and found the line well in slick time. The horse that found the line with the Rockwell scale was Tectonic Plate for the Daniel Bowman stable. Um, this horse hasn't broken the maiden and only had three starts. I think if you can reference that next to the Rockwell scale and place well in a maiden in the country, I think Tectonic Plate can be really hard to beat. So both of those go straight to Black Book and We'll look for them to bob up in the country over the next couple of weeks. All right, then. Then we go to Randwick. You found one in heat number for uh, the Snowdens. What heat was need some luck? It was heat eight there the other day. Yeah, horse we've always had a little bit of time for. I think she's been a black booker before on the program. She had two starts back in sort of the winter and the autumn. Never had any luck, which is quite funny with her name. But um, I like this profile for horses. They've had sort of two good runs, good SB profile. Things didn't go their way. They've had the spell and preparation under the belt now. They can return a much more mature and with that added race experience. So Needs and Luck was, again, good at the trials. Thousand and ten metres, only one trial, which Snowden's have been doing a lot lately. So I think she'll go straight to the races now if that one trial will be hard to beat. All right, then then we move on to heat number 13 where you had Parisian Rose and our little star, one for the Freeman and Pfeiffer camp, our little star trained by the Pfeiffer team. Yeah, Parisian Rose, obviously for Michael Friedman, who's one of the better, or if not the best, uh, juvenile trainers in Sydney. Unraced three-year-old Parara, Pariah, sorry, Philly. Um, she's very, um, very attractable in her stride. She's got a lovely action. She wasn't asked to do anything in this trial under double wraps, making up Solid ground. Her rivals next though were all pushed out and off the bridle and she just matched motors with them in second gear. So lovely trial. Look for a second one now and she'll be hard to beat on debut. Our little star, the David Pfeiffer stable, did a little bit wrong in this trial, but I love when a horse like this tracks wide, does a little bit wrong, but once they balance up, they click through their gears really well. So you got to add merit to that. She's tracked and sort of gone over a lot more ground than the rest of the trial. But when she sort of balanced up, she was great. So look for a second trial and her to iron out a couple of those little greenness issues for our little star, Gareth. All right, then then we'll quickly run through the others. Um, here we've got Wolfgang at Cranburn for Kennewell and Yeomans. Yep, this is a two-year-old. Sovereign Hill is another one. Wolfgang, these are two two-year-olds we can put in the black book. Wolfgang's is out of the... Half to the impressive Prague, who was a really smart two-year-old uh, in himself. A really, really smart trial. It's only 650 metres hit out at Cranbourne, which you have to take into account. I love when the jockey pushed the button. Uh, he said go, and he went. Um, he's got a lovely, big, strong build. He doesn't look like your typical coupled two-year-old. So I think he'll get um, improved with the runs and with the trials. But Wolfgang's a, a great one to throw on the black book. Sovereign Hill's another one, $280,000 purchase. Speedy. Complete opposite of Wolfgang. He's much more coupled, small, but has a lot of speed and stacked up time-wise across the meeting over 740 metres there at Warwick Farm. All right, then let's have a look at a few of the horses that we know of. Um, you found a couple there recently at Ramwick. Can you talk us through those trials? Yeah, Kota Healy is the first one for John O'Shea. The stable's just hitting some really good form. What I like about this, this horse keeps improving every preparation. You match that with two from five um, first up record. That reads really well, trialing well, good first up record, can only run well first up wherever this horse goes and has the perfect on-speed pattern, which I love. Welcome Gypsy is the other one. John Thompson is the most underrated first up trainer in the country. We've had him on the program before. Um, this was the fastest of the 740-meter trials in the morning. Was in a good heat. Think about it. 
uh, was in the trial as well. So really good heat. This horse can go through the grades and continue to go through the grades, this preparation. And I suggest she'll be really hard to beat wherever she goes first up as well. So Kota Healy and Welcome Gypsy are exposed to the... I want to follow out of the trials this week. And at Randwick on the 23rd of September, Communist and Wetall both trialed in that first trial. Yeah, uh, Communist has been poor in the winks and in the tramway. Back to the trials look pretty good. Ueta, obviously, um, second trial now, ready to go back to the races, was fine. It's more so a race day horse. Look for those blinkers to go on. Um, a couple of the other heats, heat two, we saw Opal Ridge. This was an outstanding trial. If you're going to put any horse in the black book, put Opal Ridge in there. Kosciuszko shapes to be the best addition yet. And we got proper group two, group three, open class horses. And Opal Ridge off that trial looks incredibly hard to beat. We'll have another trial, um, which we'll see. Cobra Lane for in heat three. Lovely tick over trial. I'm not sure what his target is this time in, but he's on track. And I love that tick over trial off a good first start run. And probably the out of sight, out of mind horse in the sense of the Everest. Think about it. This is his second hit out. Outstanding trial. His action was beautiful. Down the outside, making up significant ground late. And like I mentioned, he's just a horse that's out of sight, out of mind. Like we quickly forget what he did in the autumn and the winter. Um, but he's right on track for the Joe Pride camp. All right. Then at Warwick Farm, commemorative. She's a star, but... She was so impressive on debut. How's she come back? She's a beast of a filly, uh, obviously a blue bard. We all saw what she did on debut. She looked great. I wasn't pushed out too much. Um, I obviously know what's under the hood with her. Look for a second improved trial and she'll be on track for her target in the spring. I me, tick over trial. We just heard from Dave Eustace, goes to the Sydney States, which is the sort of the secondary race to the Everest on Everest Day. And King's Gambit, he was back to the trials in Sydney. He just looks like an out-and-out horse around the turn. He looks so much better. I did miss the kick, but he was more relaxed in stride. His head wasn't everywhere, and can't wait to see him back. His trial was elite, and you, you can't trial that well and not take it a race day. So keen to see King's Gambit back around the bend. All right, then, mate. Some horses to follow from the trials that we should be backing this week. Yeah, we've got a couple today. Pipistrel in race one there at um, Rose Hill today. And in the last, um, it had to be Zoo is the other one. Obviously, nominations are about to drop for the weekend. Can't wait to see Scamp in a couple of the two-year-olds, but we'll touch on that tomorrow, the weekend preview. Just today, Pippa Strell in the first, and it had to be Zoo in the last there at Rose Hill. Good on you, Dino. It's no surprise that wherever the blue and gold go, success follows at First Light Racing, firstlightracing.com.au. I think you can have something on one of the First Light Racing gallopers Today, Vancouver Queen first up at Bendigo. I think it'll be going awfully close, Dino. So, um, Timmy Wilson and the team, hopefully they can get a winner today. Good on you, mate. Thanks, Gareth. There's Dean Watling. That's trial time. It's no surprise, as I said, that wherever the bull and gold goes, success follows at First Light Racing, firstlightracing.com.au. Let's take the news. Hong Kong Corner next.